one of the most um probably the most touching experiences uh for, that i ever had was um i ran this 200 mile race across wales and um my mom had died um just about a month earlier from from cancer oh, i'm sorry and to hear that my um yeah yeah she uh she was watching me from above so i uh I was, you know, running across Wales, and uh, I hadn't seen my dad's um, and talked to him in in a long time, probably like 12, 14 years or something. So um, we um, just not great communicators with each other. I mean, he lives in England, I live in the States, and we're just really, really bad at picking up the phone. And I called him up, you know, obviously after my mom died, I was like, I have to just, just pick up the phone. That's all it takes. And called him up and told him I was coming to visit and uh, that I wanted to see him and uh, he came out and he was at the finish line and um, and when I crossed that finish line I saw him I just burst into tears and uh, <laughs> gave him a big hug and it's still like I think about that moment it was definitely one of the most special moments of my life. Um, Welcome to the Trail Success Podcast. Welcome to the Trail Success Podcast. I'm Mark Fries, the host of today's podcast, uh, a trail runner for the last five years and uh, an enthusiast for all things uh, in nature and endurance related. And so excited to host the podcast today. Uh, we'll introduce our guest, Peter Mortimer, in just a moment. But the, uh, the, the purpose of the Trail Success Podcast is to give trail athletes opportunities to learn from everyday trail runners uh, who are balancing life and sport so that they can be inspired uh, and so that they can inspire others. And so we really want to support trail running education, motivation, and inspiration here on the Trail Success Podcast. And uh, today's guest with us is Peter Mortimer, uh, who has been on the trail endurance scene for a number of years. And exciting as well is an entrant in the upcoming Western States 100 uh, with just a few days out. So Peter, welcome to the Trail Success Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what we'd love to start with uh, today is it'd be great to get kind of your origin story. I think every everyone's got a hero's journey uh, story to tell in their own life. Uh, it'd be amazing to hear some of your background, kind of if you go back a ways, you know, where you where you grew up, um, were athletics part of your life as a as a child, as a teenager. Um, would love to kind of get your background and where athletics fits into that and, uh, and who you are as a person. Yeah. So I was, uh, born and raised in the United Kingdom. Um, I'm still an English citizen, actually. Um, I've, uh, I moved over at an early age when I was eight years old. Um, I lived in, uh, the States for a few years and then, uh, I moved back over to, into Europe. Um, I spent five years in Italy. Um, I, you know, went to high school over there. Um, my stepdad was in the military. That's kind of what brought me over. But both my uh, original parents are from the UK. 
So um, I played uh, English football, soccer uh, as a child and tennis, um, but running was not in the cards for me. <laughs> okay. Um, it was it was the worst part of any sport for like that I that I thought and um, I had friends that run cross country and track and um, the idea of running around a track or for three miles was just it was not going to happen. Um, although I did run plenty and you know in like soccer practice so um, but it was just that kind of mindset of just nonstop running um, and then uh, I graduated high school over there um, in uh, Italy and. Um, I joined the American military um, in the Air Force four years. That brought me to the States. And um, I was a surgical technician, uh, Travis Air Force Base, Northern California. Um, that's what kind of got me into medicine, um, which I'm still currently doing, uh, although now I'm on awesome. the other side of the table. Um, uh, yep, I had uh, two kids and uh, at an early age and, you know, raised you know, now they're teenagers, you know, my son is 16 and my daughter's uh, just graduated high school. So uh, I'm almost an empty nester at this point. And uh, <laughs> I found uh, running at the age of 30 um, just as a way of losing weight. Um, I was I was pretty heavy set, overweight, you know, I was fit in high school and then raising kids and stress and all this other things kind of contributed to bad eating habits and um, kind of a stressful lifestyle and, uh, I needed something to, to break that. So, um, I found running and, um, it kind of helped me start, you know, the process of losing some weight. That's amazing. That's amazing. Did I see, um, you mentioned soccer, football early on. I think I saw something online, Liverpool, maybe a Liverpool fan or entering at least oh, Liverpool yeah. stadium. I Hardcore think you saw Liverpool fan. Awesome. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been following Liverpool since the eighties, which was like their heyday and um, they're uh -huh. kind of having a resurgence now. So um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty stoked about that, but um, loyal fan, you know, never deviated. So ups and downs, but you know, um, I've been thankful to been able to go to uh, some of their games over the years and uh, visit the stadium, that sort of thing. So um, That's awesome. I, in fact, I, uh, went, I did a race out in, uh, Wales in 2019 and, uh, I took some friends to the stadium to kind of show them the magic of, uh, of Anfield. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, did you have any exposure when you were in the UK? I've got, my family history goes back to the Lake District up, uh, in kind of fell running territory. Do you have any exposure as a, as a young person to fell running or trail running, or was that not any part of your visibility when you were focused on football there in the UK? No, it was, um, I mean, other than visiting places, uh, it wasn't really trail running wasn't even on the map. Um, yeah. What's funny is I used to kind of steal away in my high school years, my friends and I we were kind of, you know, take a skip day every year and then we go run off into the mountains, which we lived at the base of the Dolomites. And, um, mm -hmm. so we'd actually go up into the mountains and spend the entire day out there exploring and then try and get back in time and get on the bus and, um, pull one over on our parents, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, nice. that, I guess that was kind of like, you know, part of my, you know, early exploring days, uh, I'm still doing that now. Um, although I don't yeah. have to, you know, get a fake teacher's note, but <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, I could still spend plenty of hours out in the mountains. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service in the military. We appreciate that, that it helps, uh, the rest of us enjoy a lot of freedoms, uh, to have folks out watching out for us. So thank you for that. Any exposure, you know, was that, um, you mentioned a little bit later in life, kind of 
food and weight became more of a challenge. Uh, how was sort of the athletic uh, endurance scene in the military? Was it pretty light compared to what you do today? Um, or did that give you some exposure to a little bit more enhanced, um, you know, uh, athletic activity? Um, well, in the military, I mean, I was, you know, at one point I was skinny. And then uh, at one point I actually got put on the, they call it the fat boy program. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> I had to go under this uh, <laughs> regiment of losing weight. And uh, so I would like run laps around the hospital at lunchtime. Um, I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. Um I was just trying to shred some weight and um it's funny my the last week I was in the the military someone asked me to do this uh track race where it's like a relay and you run like a mile every hour for 24 hours so you run basically mm. 24 miles over the course of 24 hours uh which to me now is nothing but back then I was like oh my god and it just about killed me um i wasn't even i think i was probably running in converse or something it was just just a bad <laughs> bad idea and i think i was sore for like a month afterwards so um and then uh <laughs> yeah just running like at that point was just still it was just just a means to an end um nutrition yeah. definitely wasn't you know high up on the high up on the uh um things of that I should be doing to lose weight. Uh, I just thought I should be running more. And, um, you know, I learned later in life, it's completely the opposite, but, um, yeah, you know, my thirties, I finally started to, to kind of grasp what it was like and, and the help that it did with stress and, and all these other things. And then the whole social aspect of it, like joining a running club and meeting some new people that really helped. That's awesome. Uh, was there, you mentioned some of the health challenges, was there, you know, a moment, uh, where you, was it staying on the scale, visiting the doctor? Was there a moment where you're like, oh, I've got to, I've got to make a change And what, you know, what had running be on that list of things that you thought, you know, might be a way for, to achieve that change? Yeah. I mean, uh, stepping on the scale and seeing 250 pounds is not, <laughs> it's not great. Um, yeah. you know, walking and your knees hurting, uh, for no apparent reason, that wasn't great either. Um, you know, just being, I mean, I could, I could barely run, get through a mile. So, um, I kept yeah. thinking back to how active I was in high school and, um, and yeah, you just kind of, you want to reclaim that life back and, um, yeah. you know, and then again, with all the other stress, um, uh, you know, high cortisol, all that stuff just associated with it. I just. I, I knew I had to make a life change. Um, when I um, was really started running, um, I was in a, uh, in a time my life was going through a divorce. Um, I was having, um, I was in a really high stress job um, working in the hospital. I was working 80 hour weeks and I just was eating like complete garbage. So I had to, I had to do, make some changes. Um, and you know, joining the running group was kind of the first step, you know, meeting some new folks and just getting, getting outside, um, helping motivate me. Um, and then from there, it just kind of cascaded. Um, I actually fell in love with the running as a, as the weight came off and the, the miles started getting longer and longer. I, I realized, well, you know, I might, might be kind of good at this. So I'll just keep yeah. clicking away and see how far I can push myself. Before we sort of uh, follow that path of running, turning into a joy versus a chore, um, as far as sort of balancing work, you said a surgical technician, and then you're on the other side of the table now. Does that mean you're 
having a lot of surgery? Are you a surgeon? What's uh, what does that look like from a work perspective for you? And how do you balance that with your running today? So I, I, I've worked in uh, medical device sales for um, mm-hmm. the last 20 years in orthopedics. So um, awesome. I, it, when I was in surgery, I, I did a lot of orthopedics, um, you know, as like a surgical assist. And um, now I'm just kind of now I bring all the equipment in um, and I'm kind of mm-hmm. helping the technicians and, and the staff um, and sometimes the surgeon as we're as we're working. So um, I, I do total joint reconstruction. So if you get a a knee replacement, hip replacement, or, um, and then trauma as well. Uh, you break, you fracture something. Um, I'm the guy that brings the equipment in, um, the implants in, and, um, you know, I talk with the surgeon, we develop a plan and then, um, we just kind of get to the case and I have to have a plan A, B, and C. And, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm dealing with, uh, I have to, you know, sell product, sell, get a surgeon to use the product. So there's a sales side of it. There's a clinical side of it, looking at x-rays, mm-hmm. figuring out every patient's different, figuring out the different sorts of implants that we need. Uh, sometimes you need special things ordered in. Um, and like anything in life, everything's in on back order. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes you have to deal with those types of things, you know, um, notifying the hospital, like, Hey, you know, we might not have this, uh, mistake or, you know, always trying to work around. So it's just, you get a lot of cascading stress from all different angles and um, you know, there are lots of good days, but then there are some days that you just kind of want to bang your head against the wall. Um, but you know, I've, I do, enjoy, I do enjoy it. Um, I, I've always found orthopedics fascinating um, and mm-hmm. I like to think I'm good at it. I've been doing it for, for many years at this point, um, but it's not going to be forever. You know, I'm kind of, I hope to do it for a few more years and then um, kind of follow my dreams of going into uh, coaching full time um, and then maybe just working for like a outdoor company. Yeah, that's great. Early in my career, I um, uh, had some medical experience and spent a little bit of time in the OR as a surgical tech. And it's, uh, it's fascinating. You uh, probably have an understanding of the anatomy and orthopedics of running uh, better than most. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, thanks for sharing that. That with us, high stress, um, high impact, high necessity role that you play there. How have you balanced that with your running activity? Uh, how, how have you found a balance there that allows you to train? You know, I think I saw, you know, to give a little bit of a, a scope here for uh, the listeners, right? Um, close to 70 ultra uh, distance events I saw on ultra sign up. I think yeah. 19 podiums. Amazing, uh, which is remarkable. Yeah, um <laughs> How have you, have you reached that level of, uh, you know, trail running accomplishment while balancing, uh, you know, relationships, uh, work, uh, what, what's sort of the secret there that you found? Well, I, I think initially it was just, um, when I got into trail running, I was a middle of the pack guy. So it was just mm-hmm. trying to even get these distances done. Um, my kids were a lot, lot younger, um, back then. And, uh, I would, I would get up, especially I lived in Phoenix at the time. So, um, if you wanted to run, um, you had to get up early, beat the heat. Right. Um, I sort of equate it to like being like a vampire. You just have to, you get up early in the morning, like around three, you get in as much running as you can and you try and outrun the sun. As soon as the sun comes up, yeah. you're running back home and, uh, I would get home and then my kids be waking up and then I'd be cooking breakfast and then the days ahead mm-hmm. of me. And then, um, you know, work balance has always been difficult. Um, but I've gotten, like I said, I've, I've gotten used to it over the years. Um, 
I've never had really my own schedule. Um, I'm on the surgeon's schedule. So um, mm. if they're taking time off, then I might have some free time. But um, if they're on call, then I'm on call. Um, if they're doing surgeries, then I'm doing surgery. So, um, and I work, I don't work with just one surgeon. I work with many surgeons. So sometimes mm. it's, it can be a little challenging, um, you know, relationship wise too. Uh, that was one of the things that, you know, was very difficult in, in, uh, my marriage, you know, um, when it kind of fell apart, it's, I was working these insane amounts of hours and we were very young yeah. and had kids and just, you know, all the stresses compounding, um, you know, my, um, girlfriend, Siska now she's, uh, very understanding. And like one of the first things that when we first started dating, she realizes that, you know, there's times when we're out doing something and I just have to drop everything and go. Um, and that's just mm. the reality of, of my life. Um, as far as my running goes with that, I just pack a bag. I have it in, in my car. Um, I try and get, you know, I'm fortunate now. I live in a place where, you know, I can drive through Sedona or, um, or, you know, go into the, the muggy on rim. I get to drive these through these very beautiful places and I can just kind of stop off on my way down grab a quick run and then continue on to work. Um, I, I'm not stuck in the uh, bumper to bumper anymore. Um, so yeah, you just kind of, you make do, um, you know, and it makes for some long hours at times. Um, but you know, that's, that's life and having kids and <laughs> there's, there's tons of stresses associated with that. It's get, it definitely gets easier over the years. Now my, my kids are teenagers and I have to beg, beg for them to hang out with me. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I get home from my run in the morning and they're not even up yet. So I could just, <laughs> I could pretty much have a little bit more free time to do what I want. They, th they think you you're sleeping in too. And you're like, no, I just knocked out 10 miles. Um, you mentioned uh, going from running, kind of being uh, maybe it sounded like the easiest way to shed some pounds when you were not happy with the scale. Um, uh, but then at some point in time, it sounds like it turned a little bit more into a joy, something you enjoyed doing, a stress reliever. How how did how did tr uh, you know running and trail running specifically end up being your sport of choice? What was sort of that conversion process from nothing to you know an enthusiast, an evangelist? Um, so when I first started running, uh, I joined a running group called the, uh, the hash house Harriers, um, mm -hmm. they're a drinking club with a running problem, um, social <laughs> running group. <laughs> sure. And, uh, they're actually the biggest running group in the world. You can go any city pretty much in the world and, and find them. Um, they're pretty, they're a fun bunch. So I, nice. um, I joined them and, uh, you know, my first run with them was three miles, which at that point I was running maybe a mile and a half at a time and mm -hmm. got through three miles. I was like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even, couldn't even believe it. Um, and what's great about their runs is you don't know where you're going. Um, there's someone else kind of leaving a trail and then there's kind mm -hmm. of a right way to go, a wrong way to go. And you kind of help work together to figure it out. And um, I would go to some of these and then there's times I come back and I'd run six, seven miles. And I just started wow. thinking, I'm like, that, that was the most fun I ever had. I have never run that far in my life. And, um, as I started get getting in longer distances, I thought, well, maybe I could do a half marathon. So I trained for a half marathon, um, finished it and then said, you know, a year from now I'm going to do a full. So I trained for a year. Nice. And, uh, did my first full marathon. Um, I missed the Boston by 
like 10 minutes. Um, and I was like, okay, that's, that's my next goal. Um, mm. I ran a few marathons and it came very close. Um, but I wasn't really happy. I, you know, I, I don't deal well with really, really large crowds. I would show up to these things and, uh, I would kind of almost self-sabotage myself before these races and to the point where like, I would go out with friends and party way too hard, or I'd eat the wrong food and just, you know, I, I really wasn't taking it as seriously as I wanted come race day. I was, I was dead serious on the training, but when it came down to it, I just really didn't, didn't like it. And, um, I ran a, a Tucson marathon and um, I told my girlfriend at the end, I was like, I, I don't want to do these anymore. She's like, well, why don't you try a trail race? And so she um, showed me about this uh, Air Viper race uh, out here in the Southwest. Um, yeah. And it was, a, it was a night run. And um, I, I showed up and actually <laughs> had a very bad experience. Not um, So I... I showed up for this race and it was a, I think it was a 25 K and okay. I got, as soon as I got to the uh, race, I got there, you know, a couple hours early just to kind of hang out and stuff. And, um, then I got called into work. I'm like, Oh, it was all the way across town. I drove all the way across town. I'm like, well, that's it. I won't be racing today. And, um, yeah. got, got into surgery and they were like, you know, we're setting up, it's going to be, we're a little bit delayed. So, um, I, I went downstairs to grab something to eat and I ate like a, a bacon cheeseburger and mozzarella sticks and just kind of drowning my sorrows <laughs> right. as I always do with food. And uh, I went up back upstairs uh, and they were like, oh, uh, the, the surgery canceled. And uh, I looked at my watch and I'm like, I can make it. And so I hauled ass all the way back across town. Awesome. And um, I got there with about 60 seconds to spare, got to the starting line and just took off. It was a night race. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never run on a trail before. <laughs> and uh, I fell twice, landed in a cactus, and um, I DNF'd after one loop. And it was the best wow. experience I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was hooked. I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. I love this stuff. So um, after that, I decided, you know, the trail running was going to be the thing. And um, it was... It was very humbling because, you know, I thought it was a decent, you know, I was chasing that Boston qualifier and getting close and thought I was a decent runner. Um, yeah. But then you got into trail running and, you know, you have to run much slower. You know, I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. And these little, little speed bumps, I call them now. I mean, like they were like giant mountains to me back then. I, you know, I was like, how, how am I going to run up these things? And, uh, but yeah, I just, I stuck with it and slowly but surely started to kind of get better. That's amazing. Was it, was it dirt versus pavement? Was it, was it the smaller crowds? What, was there something you could put your finger on? Was it all those things? What, what is it that had you leaving thinking, I want to do more of these versus I'm never, I'm never falling into a cactus again. I'm going back to the road. What was it about that experience you think that, that was so compelling? It was uh, definitely the community. Um, when, mm. when I would finish marathons, I would, I would get to, well, first of all, the start of the marathon, you, you're hopping on a bus and then you get shuttled somewhere and then you're like mm. standing with 20,000 people, you know, herded up in this like corrals and then you're kind of, you get going and then you're just trying to get away from everything. And then, by, you know, my, one of my issues is I've got long legs and so when I'm stuck behind a lot of people, I, I have to take these tiny little steps to get like a normal, my normal gait going. Um, yeah. 
you know, the, the, the retro racing, much smaller crowds, uh, the community is much different. Um, mm. a big selling point for me was definitely the aid stations because it had amazing food. You know, I wasn't sure. just getting goo and water. It was like, Oh, you want a quesadilla or do you want this, you know, get burger, or, you know, I was like, this is amazing. They got all this amazing food. <laughs> Again, it was That's still right. the, like the fatty in me that was just like, yeah, I, I just, this is, this is my style. And, and then afterwards, you know, everyone hanging out and just having a beer, but you know, um, the end of the marathons, you know, they'd have bands and stuff, but yeah. there was just so many people and so much stuff going on. All I ever wanted to do is get out of there. I just couldn't wait to mm. just get away from everybody and find some other like small little place to hang out with some friends. But you know, they have beer gardens at the trail races or, you know, so I just, it, it definitely was kind of fit my personality a little bit more. And what was the, you know, from those early experiences that were positive, um, what did the next couple of years look like as you started to get more involved in trail racing and how long to you sort of went from that mid pack success to starting to see, Hey, I might, I might have a shot at a podium here. What was that, that journey like? Yeah, so I ran a few uh, trail races, um, and at the time I was playing uh, indoor soccer, <laughs> and yeah. I had the idea of like going into going, you know, starting to try some ultras. But um, I would go out on a Friday night and I play three games in indoor and just get beat my body to 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 shit, and then and then try yeah. and go out the next day and run like twenty five miles, and at some point I'm like you got to pick and choose. And I was watching mm. everyone in, in our league get ACL injuries. And, you know, I, I, you know, as much as I really like the sport, I'm like, you know, I'm getting older and I don't want to be the next, you know, knee injury. So I, I think I'm just going to, you know, toss that aside and uh, I'll, I'll just stick with the, with the running. Um, and then, you know, again, very humbling. It took, it took a lot of time to figure out, kind of what I was doing. I didn't have a coach early on. Um, mm. I just kind of would read articles, talk to people, get feedback. But a, a lot of it was I really wanted to experience things on my own. I wanted to know what it was like to bonk. I want to know what it's like to hit that mm. wall. Um, you know, I, and so I, so I, so I know when that happened next time, or if it happened in a race, what I could do. Um, and uh, my first I was training for my first uh, 50 mile race um, mm -hmm. and I was out, we went and ran um, the Grand Canyon. So we went, I went with a surgeon that I know and a, um, and a couple of other friends and we did a two day trip uh, doing rim to rim to rim. Um, never been down to the Grand Canyon, had no idea what it was in for. Um, we made it all the way across to the North Rim on that first day. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I can get back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, for some reason, like the next day I was, you know, very sore at the beginning. And, um, one of, uh, the other guys that, um, he, he did the same medical device sales, uh, that I was doing, he, he, you know, he, and also a runner, um, we kind of just took off and just started running together and we, we got through it together. Um, we got, we got across. And, um, the surgeon, um, that, you know, I was working with, he, he had said that, you know, and he had done 50 milers and hundred milers and, you know, he was like, oh, you should just do a hundred miler. And I'm like, well, I gotta get a 50 done first. And, um, right. I signed up for, uh, a 75 K uh, night race, yeah. um, it, the Havelina hangover. And, um, I got, uh, as a lead up to my 50 miler, which is 
stupid. It was like a month earlier. <laughs> right. <laughs> 46 mile race for a 50 mile sure. race. And uh, I got third. And wow. I was like, okay, um, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think I can do this. I can do the 50 mile. And I did, I went out and did um, a 50 mile race, the man against horse a month later. And then a month after that, uh, I did my first hundred miler <laughs> at the half. Awesome. So I kind of, kind of cascaded very fast. Um, and again, but I still didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of, I didn't know anything about salt electrolytes or anything. Mm. I was just like, you know, just eat, eat all of the food, at all the aid stations and just, just drink water and you'll be fine. And, um, it got me through it, but um, on my second hundred miler, I had a, I had a rude awakening because um, <laughs> uh, I got like severely dehydrated. I didn't get enough salt, and I, I quickly learned about you know getting in the right electrolyte balance, you know, to because otherwise your your body will stop processing food and and you yeah. just get a bloated belly and you'll just be miserable. So, tell me about you mentioned the desire to sort of have uh, the experience of bonking or fatigue or nutrition issues. What does that feel like to you? in a race um and how do you what's your mindset to overcome that situation when you run into those those challenges uh fatigue so um yeah you know the mental game in, in, in ultras uh that's it's really difficult i mean I, you i i think you have to get into that black hole firsthand um mm -hmm. you really have to kind of know i mean I've seen so many people just go so far into the hole and not listen to the people around them. Um, if you have pacers, um, crew, the first thing you should do is listen to them. Um, they know what's going on and they have a clear head to what's going on. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're experienced, um, the best thing you can do is listen to them. Um, you know, and that was one of the things that I, I you know, stu stubbornly, I would like to experience these things on my own, but, um, I quickly learned that, you know, I would just listen to the people that have been through this before. Um, as far as like, you know, dealing with that fatigue and, and the muscle pain and everything, I just kind of learned to, to block it out, I guess you could say. Um, I've done some really long races at this point, and um, I don't really remember the, the really bad parts, um, mm. you know, unless I've had to revisit the race for whatever reason, say I DNF'd, and then I realized like, Oh yeah, I hated this part. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um you kind of just um, you know, I I you know, like uh Sherlock Holmes would call it his mind palace. I would just I just kind of go into my to my head and you know, music's one of the one of the things that's always worked well for mm. me. Um during the the best parts of a race and the worst parts of a race. Um, you know, sometimes if I'm feeling really low or starting to feel sluggish, you know, I throw on a little heavy metal, I guess start getting myself amped up and get myself a little angry and, and then, I'm, and then I go, I, I just get that energy. So, um, and then feeding off people around me, um, you know, I, sometimes I don't feel great, but I feel like, well, if, if I'm smiling, you know, then it's kind of showing that I feel good and maybe I can even trick myself into the like, yeah, maybe I do feel good, you know? And, uh, yeah. there's so many highs and lows during a race and, um, I, I, just, I try not to, to focus too much on those, on those negative parts, um, that mm -hmm. they do happen, but I think it's just about trying to keep a positive outlet, uh, out, outset, you know, from the get go. 
You mentioned uh, a DNF that can be a reality in the sport. How um, can you explain a moment when you had to make that decision and and what you have learned from any time that you've had to have a DNF for those who might be new to the sport that said I did not finish uh, that you that you had to abandon the race before the finish line either because you missed a cutoff time uh, your body wasn't cooperating your mind wasn't cooperating for any host of reasons. For you, what does that experience look like and things that you take away from those DNF experiences? Um, so initially, when I first started ultra running, I'm like, I don't want to DNF ever. And, you, you know, I hear people say that all the time. And, you know, some people will push through anything and, you know, good for them. I uh, I, I will never do it at the expense of injury. Um, mm. And I, I think it kind of shows, I mean, it really depends on kind of how hard you're pushing as well. Um, I've had DNFs in races just because I've got called into work. I mean, I've been first place yeah. in a race and gotten called into work and had to drop everything and leave like right there. Wow. Um, okay. So it's like, it's for me, it's just kind of like, you know, I, I would run so many races at times just because I, I just love doing it. But at the expense of like, well, I don't know. I'm I'm on call. I might get called into work, and if I get called into yeah. work, then I just got to go. Then that's the end of that. And um, and then I've had races where I've gotten injured. Um, I, you know, years ago I got a, a injury at Black Canyon. Um, on my lead up to um, I got a calf calf tear, and mm. um, I had uh, Orca's hundred um several weeks later. And I'm like, I pulled myself from DNA, from uh, Black Canyon. And, uh, and then, you know, I was really, really nervous going to Orcas. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. I know it's just going through the ringer of rehab and trying to make things work. But knowing that, like, entering that race, it might be a reality. And sure enough, my calf went out 20 miles in. And um, I pushed myself another 30 miles. And... Mm. Then I started thinking about like, I've, I've just run 30 miles on this calf injury. I don't think it's worth running another 50. <laughs> um, right. I could come back next year feeling better. And that's what I did. Um, you know, I pulled myself in that race. I made the most out of the weekend. Um, I, I, you know, again, it used to bug me a little bit more. Um, I've run, I run far more races than, than most do. Um, <laughs> especially people, like on the elite level, they might throw down one or two races a year. Um, I threw down, you know, a couple of years ago, I did um, five ultras in six weeks. So, you know, it's just, <laughs> wow. it's right. when, when you do things like, and I'm not running easy races either. So it's just, mm -hmm. it's going to be a reality. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm just, you know, I paid for it. I'm going to go have some fun. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know? So um, I, I would tell anyone that's that, you know, just don't even let it bother you. Just, you know, life's too short to think about that. There are so many races out there, so many things to see, so many opportunities. You can have great days. You can have bad days. So I, I really don't think it's getting hung up on, you know, oh, this day I didn't make it. We're not, you know, for people that are doing ultras, we're not running five and 10 Ks, you know, I mean, we're yeah. going out there and running for hours upon hours at a time. You know, it's just going to be a reality. That's a healthy perspective. Thanks for sharing that. Is there a moment, uh, do, you have, do you have a favorite distance uh, that you like? I'm sorry, uh, repeat that? A favorite distance, uh, ultra distance, that uh, you think is your sweet spot or that you enjoy the most? Favorite race? 
our favorite uh, distance, like fifty k, hundred mile. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, two hundred miles. <laughs> really? That's uh, I I two hundred mile races have become my favorite. Uh, I've done awesome. Um, four of them now. I think three, three, four. Yeah. Um, I I would love to do more. Um, maybe when I get out of medicine, I will do more. I, I'd love to do the triple crown all in one yeah. one slingshot. Um, but you know, I've done two of those races on different years, and um, it's. It's definitely my race. I love for racing days at a time, and uh, yeah. and uh, and I've I've done pretty decent at them. So I, I just like to kind of keep going down that road. Hundred milers are great too. Um, I feel like they're a little bit harder than two hundreds, um, which is kind of mm. crazy to, to think about yeah. on being half the distance. But the 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 time constraints are different, um, and you know you get you know I mean the the types of athletes are doing them. There's a lot more athletes obviously doing hundred milers, um, faster athletes. And, um, so I kind of, you know, it's taken me a few years to kind of get the hang of it. Um, being able to push hard and, and do well at those races. Um, at, a, at the same time, uh, a lot can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. a, lot, a lot can go wrong in a 200 mile race too, but there's a lot more time to make up and, uh, you know, hundred milers, you just have that kind of, you've basically got 30 hours generally, um, to get things done. So, um, but you know, whether you're, you know, I mean, 50 milers are, are also, uh, another one of my favorite distances, um, yeah. only because I can finish those by like dinner time. So <laughs> I don't have to run through the night <laughs> over dinner. Well, I've, I've completed a couple hundred milers and, uh, I'm on the early wait list for, Moab 240, so that may be an experience later this fall that I'm hoping for. And uh, right now my email is lighting up with a wait list for, for Bigfoot 200, um, which I don't think will work out with my schedule, but um, but I'm excited to try that distance out. So thanks for the inspiration. Um, is there a moment in those longer distance races when you sort of, you know, is there a kind of emotional or spiritual component to you at a certain distance or a certain type of experience that sort of is transcendent for you in, in running? What, what does that look like for you beyond maybe the physical experience? Yeah. Um, the first 50 miler I did, I cried. Um, I mm. had no idea while I was crying, I was just running and then tears started running down my face and it's got really emotional. And I, I was like, what is going on? I mean, I've run lots of distances, but this is just, it was all new to me. Um, you, I think your body, when you start getting into these, these longer distances, distances, it just, it wants to do whatever it can to stop. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly gotten used to it over the years, but there's, there's moments even in my two hundreds, um, you know, I, I, if your mind can wander and wander for hours. So sometimes you think back to, to stuff and um, mm. you wouldn't normally think about, it brings up emotions. And um, I, you know, I, you can't really do much other than, than cry sometimes or, or just deal with it in that moment. Um, your body is just, you know, again, trying to do whatever it can to stop. And, you know, sometimes you, you're, you're breathing hard and you're thinking about this, like, you know, really sad or horrible moment and it just kind of hits you harder than you would, you know, just in passing. So, um, but 
And, uh, but then there's good too, you know, plenty of uh, goosebump feelings um, uh, when I'm running through the mountains and uh, sometimes a good song comes on and I just get the, you know, get the goosebumps going and juices flowing and, and it just feels just amazing. You know, it's just the most euphoric feeling uh, you, you could ever ask for. And people always ask me, what's the runner's high I feel like? I'm like, well, I'm, it's, I get it pretty much every time I run <laughs> only because you know, um, you're not going to get it, in my opinion, you're not going to get it in just a couple of miles. You get it, you know, after, after your body warms up and then you start getting in your rhythm and then your, your, your body relaxes and then you just kind of, you know, flow with nature. Um, I, I can probably say I, I, I don't really feel it much on the roads, um, definitely on the trails. Uh, but that's, and that's why I've stuck with trail running. Um, one of the most, um, probably the most touching, experiences uh for, that i ever had was um i ran this 200 mile race across wales and um my mom had died um just about a month earlier from from cancer oh, i'm sorry and to hear that my um yeah yeah she uh she was watching me from above so i uh i was you know running across wales and uh i hadn't seen my dad's um and talk to him in in a long time probably like 12 14 years or something so um we um just not great communicators with each other i mean he lives in england i live in the states and we're just really really bad at picking up the phone and i called him up you know obviously after my mom died i was like i have to just just pick up the phone that's all it takes and called him up and told him i was coming to visit and uh that i wanted to see him and uh, he came out and he was at the finish line. And, um, and when I crossed that finish line, I saw him, I just burst into tears and, uh, <laughs> gave him a big hug. And it's still like, I think about that moment. And it was definitely one of the most special moments of my life. Um, just cause you know, having not seen him for so long and then all the other emotional stuff and all that time and, you know, and time wasted really. Cause you think about just not being able to just just not pick up, up the phone. Like, how hard is that? Um, but I thought about it the entire race every day going, going across. I was like, oh, I'm going to get to see him. And then finally on that day five, you know, after 200 miles, he was there. So that was definitely the most special moment I've ever had. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, compelling experiences physically, uh, mentally, spiritually. So that's, uh, that's wonderful. Thank you for, uh, including us in that most, um, you know, most ultra runners have, um, maybe some bucket list, um, races on their list and not uncommon on that short list for many runners is the Western States 100. Um, probably the, the super bowl of us racing, um, on the trail scene, uh, challenging to get into it. When was the first exposure you had to Western States and, and how long until you decided it was something that you wanted to pursue for yourself? Um, yeah, like Western, uh, took me seven years, essentially. Uh, okay. I, you know, the first, when I first got into ultra running, I mean, it was, it was on, on the scene. Um, after a few years, I, I went out and I did some pacing out there um, and uh, mm -hmm. crewing and for a couple different friends. 
and uh, I, I knew it was it was going to be in the cars for me someday. Um, I'm it's not my usual type of hundred mile race. I've kind of just gravitated towards the um, absurd types of mountain races. Um, the harder <laughs> the better. But yeah. um, I was like, at some point, I'm going to have to check off Western. And um, this was my year. Um, I was actually supposed to run a race in England uh, this month, um, the Montan Spine Race, and uh, go back home, see my family. And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to get into Western. You know, it happens every year. I go through the same, like, you know, you know disappointment. And, uh, yeah, they, they picked my name. So I was like, well, I guess, uh, you know, England will have to wait till next year. And, uh, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to get it done. Uh, I, I'm a one and done guy for most races. Mm -hmm. I, I like to finish them. It, the only reason I, I would repeat a race is if it's kind of a local thing and it's just for a training race, just for fun. Or, um, if it's a, uh, a, a DNF at, a, at some other big race, I just go back to get a little bit of redemption. But for the most part, after I finish a race, I'm just, I, I go on to the next one. And these races just get harder and harder to get into. Yeah. Um, I, I like the opportunity to give, give that to somebody else. And, uh, you know, the trails, you know, sport is getting super popular. So I, you know, again, get my one and done, move on to the next thing. There's so many races out there and so many places to see. And uh, I, yeah. I really... You know, that's that's kind of how I book my races is I just I pick a place that I really want to go visit. And uh, I'm like, oh, is there a 50 mile or 100 mile race, race out there? You know, sign me up. Awesome. Do you mind sharing with folks? I'm sure a lot of folks know about Western states. Do you mind sharing why it's a challenge to get into the race and uh, maybe a little bit about its history and, and why it's a compelling race to be in? Yeah, so it's the the oldest hundred in, in the states. Um, I think they allow around three hundred and sixty people to run it. Um, thousands of people apply each year, um, and then you know you can get in through a golden ticket or um, by winning certain races that they allow. Mm -hmm. But um, you have to qualify every single year, put your name in the lottery every year, and then if you don't get in, you got to do it again and again and. Uh, basically leave your June open <laughs> every year, <laughs> hoping that you're going to get in. Um, but it, it's, it, I, I, again, only having gone there and volunteered or, you know, crew pace, the atmosphere is unparalleled for, for, for a race in the States. Um, it's, it kind of harkens back to some of the races that you would go and, and see in Europe where people just line the trails, um, the atmosphere, the excitement, um, the whole week leading up to it is just phenomenal. And, and the caliber of athletes, there's just so many elite athletes, um, that go there to, to show their stuff to shine. And, um, you know, that's, you know, there's been some amazing records broken there. Um, and from mm -hmm. people all over the world and it's, it's just, a something, something to, it's a spectacle. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And qualifying means doing another 100K, 100 miler or something of a similar distance that checks the box for a qualifying race for Western. And then you get your yep. your uh, your name in the hopper. And I think um, depending on the number of years, you get a few extra tickets in the hopper, depending on the number of years. You said you were seven years qualified in the lottery before your name got picked. Yeah, so I, I had seven years, but for some reason my ticket count got screwed up. I don't know why. Um 
And so I ended up with like, it showed four years. And so I really was like, oh yeah, this is, I don't know what happened, but mm. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting in this year and whatever, luck of the draw, I guess I'll take it. I, I mean, I've had friends that have gotten in after one try. So I, <laughs> right <laughs> at this point, you know, you know, I, I, things like this at, at this point, it doesn't bother me. Um, hard rocks, another one that I, I've been mm. waiting to do. Um, yeah. and you know, when I get in, I get in, it's, you know, I'll, I'll figure, uh, I'll f find another race. I just, you know, a race like hard rock though. I'm hoping my legs hold up by the time I get into that one. <laughs> right. Anything you're doing differently for training for Western States that, uh, that's different from previous races you've done, you've got a pretty deep resume. So, uh, anything new or unique for Western States that you're doing? Um, so yeah, my running has been a lot more structured. Um, mm. uh, I, I did the hurt 100 earlier this year and, um, that and race won it, very, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Nice yeah. work. Um, thank you. Uh, that's a very, uh, very technical race, uh, very mountainous, mm. um, and you know, humid. So the heat thing I'm, I'm dealing with again at Western States, but the, the terrain is much different. It's far more runnable. Um, so I, I've had to adjust my training. Um, I just, you know, I normally just like going up down the, up and down the craziest mountains that I can find running, um, running peaks. And I've had to kind of lay off all that stuff and, and stick to more fire roads and, and do a lot more speed training. Um, and it, it's, it's hurt. I'm, you know, I've <laughs> beaten my quads into oblivion over the past few months and gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm either going to be broken or in the best, tr like best, uh, training in my life. And, um, there was a couple moments where I was like, Oh, I don't know if my, how much more my legs can take this. And then you kind of take a few weeks back, you know, to, mm -hmm. to recoup and then go back out there. And then it's like, Oh yeah, now I, I can see it working. And, um, Nice. My coach, Eric Sensman, I mean, he's, he's run Western States a few times. I mean, he's, you know, he's worked with me over the years and he's definitely pushed me and molded me. And, um, I'm very thankful for, for everything that he's done. And, um, I'm, I'm going to go out there and just give it my all. Um, I, I put the best training in my life for this and, uh, nice. you know, it's, I'll go out there and just try and give it the best day that I can. Being up in the Flagstaff Phoenix area, the heat, uh, it's kind of just par for the course for you or you, have you done anything unique for the heat? No, I, I you know, having trained in, in Phoenix for years, I, I live in Flagstaff now, which is a little bit cooler. Um, but yeah. you know, high elevation, I'm, I'm good at that. So it starts mm -hmm. out in high elevation. So that's, that's not going to be an issue for me. And then, um, I do deal with the heat pretty well. Um, you know, I just, I, I know how to keep my core cool. Um, just have to run a little bit slower and manage. And, um, you know, I had the same issue at, at hurt. Um, it was, it was brutal through the day. Um, the difference being that that was like the humidity factor, um, you know, States is closer to Phoenix where it's like a dry heat. So, yeah. um, yeah, I've dealt with that stuff, uh, Cocodona. Um, and so I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not really too worried about it. Um, I think, probably more people from out of state are, are kind of <laughs> a little worried, more worried about that sort of thing. And I, I see it every year people go out too hard and they blow up and, um, mm. I'm, 
I'm counting on that again. <laughs> yeah. Any strategy that you've got in mind, uh, vision for the day, what you're, what you're hoping to do? Yeah. I, I you know, I, I'm going to be very conservative. I think, um, again, I did that at hurt and it, and it worked out well for me. Um, I do want to push a little bit on this race. Like I said, it's a little bit more runnable, but, um, I'm going to manage my expectations. Um, I'm going to, run smart and um, manage the heat well and wait, you know, wait till the sun goes down and then I can start kind of picking up my pace. And that's where a lot of people start to fall apart is the, the heat of the day. By the time it gets to nighttime, that, that's when they just fall apart and break down. And um, I, I, you know, I hurt, I did the same thing. I, I just kind of slogged it through the day. And as soon as the sun went down, I just, I started going to town and I was watching the people around me like throwing up and, I felt great. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll pretty much kind of use the same strategy. Um, I have some great pacers, some great crew. So I am pretty excited to see how this goes. Any new nutrition, new gear that you're excited about? Or are you going to stick with tried and true? So, um, yeah, I'm, I've been, I've been using the same gear for, oh, for years now. Um, Thankfully, started picking each of them up as a sponsor over the years. Awesome. Um, but I think probably some my newest, two newest ones are um, Ultra Spire. Um, so I'll be using their bottles and um, Waist Light, which, you know, is great at hurt. Um, and Gingy socks, which I've been wearing for years. Um, so, yeah, I, I pretty much just stick to what I know um, and what's comfortable with. Um, I don't like trying anything new. Um, Nutrition-wise, uh, Spring's another one I, I've been using over the years and that that yeah. works really well um and then i do my usual kind of low carb approach um and you know again which works well if, if the heat and you can't keep uh food down um i i just don't worry about it I get some liquid calories in and i just i manage it well how are you training are, do you train low carb or fasted in order to kind of tune up that fat burning system what what's your uh what's your process there yeah, I, most of the time I'm low carb. Um, I, I use uh, keto as a tool, um, mm -hmm. you know, several days before a race uh, to kind of supercharge my, my fat burning. Um, but yeah, that's, I run at heart rate and I monitor all that stuff. I'm pretty diligent um, about sticking to the, to the plan, you know, whether I'm in my training runs and um, it's, I, I, I made the switch years ago, um, probably six years ago now, I think. And um, it totally changed the way I run. Um, I don't really get stomach issues, digestive issues. Um, and then, you know, when things like the heat um, come in and into play, um, if, I, if I'm having problems keeping food down because of heat exhaustion, um, I can just run off my own body fat. And um, that I did that at Cocodona. I went my first hundred miles with maybe like 1200 calories, um, because I could barely keep anything down. Um, and it worked wonders. And then once I got the food in, it was just, you know, game on. I actually run, ran the second part of that race better than I did the first. So, um, I, you know, everybody's got their, their method. Uh, it seems to work for me. Um, so I'm going to so introduce carbs a couple of days before the race and then you'll use carbs during the race. If you're feeling good, if not, then you can rely on your fat burning system. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I use carbs. I, I don't abstain from them during the race. <laughs> I, I definitely use them, but I just take in far less carbs than, than most probably, 
maybe a hundred calories an hour on average. Yep. I mean, I pretty mm -hmm. much, I, I pretty much take in something like every hour to every hour and a half, uh, in mm -hmm. a higher effort. So it's, it's not a lot, but it's, it's, it's amazing. what I, all I need. Um, I did some testing recently, uh, down, um, in the Valley in Phoenix and where they kind of measure your, your fat burning. And, uh, I hmm. was, they put me on a treadmill, um, stress test and, I was going uh, like a 628 pace on a 5% incline. Um, and I never once like crossed over into burning carbs. Um, I burned fat pretty much the entire time. And I was burning over two grams of carbs a minute, which works out like a gram of carbs is about like nine calories. So it's bur basically burning 18 calories a minute of just fat. So um, when you, you're, you look at your body and your body has, you know, a hundred, 50,000 calories of fat, even the most lean right. athlete. And then you've got about 1500 or so, uh, glycogen calories, you know, which one's, which one's better, you know? So if, if you're burning, <laughs> if you have all these carb uh, or all these, uh, fat calories that you can burn off of instead of all these carb calories, you know, I'm going to choose the fat and, um, you'll always burn a little bit of carbs, but sure. it's the difference of burning one as your main fuel source versus the other one. And, um, that's why I don't need to take in as many car regular carb calories is because I'm kind of trickling on that, on that side. Whereas the other one, I can just go all day, you know, I'll never right. run out. So. And for folks interested in that approach, um, from a keto perspective, is that more focused on kind of more of a, a meat-based diet or are you just trying to stay low carb? What, what, what is, um, you know, more of a plant-based, what's sort of a balance there? um, from a nutrition so, yeah, perspective I mean, on your everyday. The, so, yeah. So the keto thing is I, I drop in a keto a couple times during, as I cycle it during, uh, mm. my training, um, and, and right before a race, but most of the time I'm, I'm doing low carb, if, you know, if I'm doing big, heavier weeks, I'll take in anywhere from a hundred, 150 grams of carbs. Um, because you know, I, I'm just, I'm putting the mileage in, so it right. doesn't make sense to stress my body that much, but you know, if I dial back my mileage and I'm, you know, I'm t taking some rest weeks, I might just drop into keto just because I, Hey, I feel great when I do it. Yeah. And, um, I'm not, I'm not, don't need to take in as much anyway. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of just, and you don't necessarily have to go into keto to do this. I mean, you're basically just training your body to, to be metabolically shift from burning, uh, carbs to fat. You know, we all burn fat initially when we go out when we start running um at some point your body switches over and then to burning glucose so um you basically are training your body to just burn fat primarily um and a lot of that has to do with running in heart rate you know mm. you run, find your zone too um mm -hmm. which is your kind of your fat burning zone and you try and stick with it and you know, a lot of people will think, well, you can't run as fast. I'm like, well, yeah, you can. Because <laughs> I start when I first started off, it was it was difficult. I was running a lot slower. And now I can throw down a 630 pace in zone two. Um, Amazing. And, you know, running at elevation helps, uh, obviously, um, training your body. But um, you can definitely push yourself and and do these exercises to uh, to get to get your body used to it. Um, and again, it's, it's not for everybody. Um, but you know, if you're having stomach issues, um, if you're having, you know, 
issues with like foods that you're taking down, um, it's worth the, worth uh, investing investing some time in. Um, I you know I met with uh, Peter Defty. Uh, he's the manager of Vespa years ago, and um, through Nick Corey, um, one of my Air Vibe Air Racing teammates, and they're the ones that kind of got me into it. And I'm like, what's the worst that can go wrong? Um, so if you want to learn more about kind of optimizing your fat metabolism, um, you can go to like VespaOFM.com. Um, there's a a plethora of information out there. It's really great. Thanks for walking us down that, uh, that kind of nutrition path. I think it's a super compelling aspect of ultra that I'm seeing more and more, um, athletes adopting and, and thanks for sharing some of that, that insight kind of to wrap up the Western States piece. And then maybe a couple of lessons learned over a life, uh, in the last uh, decade or so, or of, uh, of ultra running, um, biggest fear, uh, biggest excitement about Western States. I'm sorry, say that last one. Sort of your biggest fear or your biggest, oh, most exciting thing about Western states? Oh, sorry, the reception's breaking up here. Oh, no problem. Uh, the thing that you're uh, uh, most excited about Western states, the thing that you're most concerned about, about the race? Oh, okay. Uh, most excited, uh, getting it done. <laughs> okay. I, I really just, I, I just really want to, kind of just check it off the bucket list and, uh, go on to the next, the next one. Um, I have a lot of friends and uh, a lot of supporters that are really kind of hoping the best for me on this race. Um, mm. I, and I, I, I want to do well, I'm going to finish, but yeah, I, and you know, it, it's gotten to that point in the training where I just, I really just, I want it to be done and go on to the next one. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, I, again, I'm not the, you know, I, I like to think of myself as an elite athlete, but there are so much, so many better athletes out there and probably running this race. Um, I, I, I do, well, I would like to see how I stack up against them, but, sure. um, I, I am, I'm realistic with it and, uh, I, you know, I'll give it my best day and, uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, once it's, it, once it's over, it's over and I, I can just kind of go on to the next one. I, I mean, I like doing, you know, uh, big, big mountain races where I'm just, you know, putting myself through the ringer. So, <laughs> yeah, this will probably do some of that. Uh, Western will, will do that, uh, ways you've obviously you've, you've changed physically as a person since, uh, since the days when you were, uh, tipping the scales. Um, how do you think trail running has changed you as a person? Is there a, does the work you do training, racing, um, translate into other aspects of your life and how has that changed you? Yeah, I got to sorry, I'm going to move this here. No worries. It's this, uh, the reception is just kind of being spotty here. Yeah. I can ask you again, how, how has, um, does trail running the, the training that you do, the racing that you do, how does that translate into other aspects of your life? Um, and is, uh, how has that benefited you? Um, patience for one, um, mm. it's definitely helped with, uh, my stress and anxiety, um, you know, putting, putting your body through the ringer and, and going through, you know, some of the hardest terrain and moments of your life. And you come to, you come to just everyday life dealing with things like, uh, I don't know, waiting in line, for example, <laughs> it's not, sure. you know, you, you, you 
people come to me all the time and are like, you're so relaxed. You just, you know, you never freak out. You're always just low key. I'm like, yeah, because a, I, I, I'm getting all this great exercise and feeling good, low cortisol levels, all that sort of stuff. But, mm. um, yeah, you just, you put your body through a whole another level of pain that, you know, you don't normally have to deal with in everyday life. And, um, I, I just, it's not worth it really, you know, stressing yeah. out about, you know, all these like little petty things in life and, um, someone cutting you off. And, you know, I, I think, I, I think people that, that deal with that stuff on, on the daily and, and, and a lot of that can be just living in city life, um, having mm. to deal with many types of people. I mean, I moved to a smaller town, which is kind of nice than Flagstaff and the, the people are a lot you know, I would say friendlier and, um, you know, you, you go into a store, everyone kind of knows your name and, and, uh, it just, it just changes, you know, and, and like ultra running has, has done that for me as well. Just kind of, it's molded me into being a better person. I, I think about how, how I used to stress out about the tiniest little things at work. And now it's just like, yeah, it's, you know, everything will work out and it generally does. Um, and, you know, there's no, you know, you can go out and you can spend all this time in the mountains and see the most beautiful places. And, and, uh, even, I mean, even for hiking, I mean, but ultra running, you just get to see a lot more, you get to go a lot further. And, um, you know, I take pictures to my, remind myself and hopefully inspire other people that like, you know, there's more to life than just this everyday stuff, you know, just going to the bars or just going, you know, um, and just, you know, doing, you know, I mean, sports are great. Don't get me wrong, but things getting more and more popular with more and more crowds. And then you go to amusement parks and then you're just like more and more people and more crowds and more time stressing out because you can't get on a ride or you're like stuck waiting in line. It's like, what are you doing? You know, go out, enjoy life. You get one life, you go out and, and see the world. So, um, I, that's, I guess my takeaway from it is just, you know, I, I use it as a mechanism now to where I can go out and travel. Um, I can see places and, um, hopefully check up all these little, little, uh, check boxes before I die. Well, your Strava feed is definitely one of the most, uh, visually, uh, impressive. Always love the photos that you're, you're posting there. I think it is inspiring for folks. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting trail running or who aspires to begin trail running? Any advice for them, um, as they get started and maybe something you wish you would have known when you started trail running? Um, so first step, get yourself a pair of shoes, just get out the door. <laughs> mm. Don't get caught up in the watch. Don't get caught up in uh, all the gear and all that stuff. I mean, maybe have a water bottle. That would be great. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, just kind of get the foot out the door. And, and also don't even think about like, you know, oh, I'm only going to get to see, see this. So it's not worth it. You know, I could only go this far. You know, it, it just takes time to to build up that that endurance and, and that mileage and and, um, you know, do, do a little research too. um, get an app called, you know, like all trails or something. And then, you know, I, I look at the pictures, I'm like, wow, this place looks cool. And then I'm looking at the map and then I normally kind of take that and then apply it to my plan and then figure out, you know, a longer way of doing it or whatever. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's just what, whatever it is you do, just kind of go out and, 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 and take, take a chance. 
um, I've, <laughs> I had uh, experienced this, this last weekend with a, a friend, teammate of mine, and we were wanting to go on this waterfall, a little run um, up through uh, in Tahoe there. And as we were going up, we were like, should we do an out and back? And we're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, and then I was like, well, maybe we can make it a loop. And so I pull up my map and I'm plotting it out. And I'm like, yeah, we could, you know, plot this out. And having not even idea what the terrain's like or anything. And um, so we decided to do it. And as we're going up, maybe it starts raining. And then it starts sleeting and then snowing. And uh, we're going up these like boulder slabs. And, you know, I could tell um, she was getting a little nervous. Like, oh, we should get back. Because then we're like hearing thunder. And right. uh I'm just, you know, I got a shit eating grin on my face. I'm just like, this is awesome. It's so amazing. And uh, <laughs> a little bit of worry in her eyes, I could tell. But finally, we reached the ridge and then we're going down. And uh, she's like, this is like the most epic run of the year I've, I've had. And I was like, I know, right? Me too. And, you know, you don't get that if you don't take that chance. You know, mm. you got to take a chance in life. You got to just kind of just say, you know what? yellow and <laughs> see what happens um obviously you want to be safe and i've i've had some you know circumstances where i'm like uh, maybe you shouldn't have gone this way but you know still here here to talk about it so it you know things work out so i i think it's the first step definitely just getting your foot out of the door um and then try not to worry about things kind of let it flow off your shoulders and and just go Related to that, any myths or uh, beliefs about trail running that you would like to debunk? Anything that you think is uh, a perception out there that's not accurate? Oh, um, I don't really miss, I'm trying to think. Um, no, I mean, r runner's high. People say it doesn't exist. Mm. I mean, it does. <laughs> you know, I again, I think that's, that's you're just not going far enough and you're just not mm. giving it giving enough the, the hardest thing that people have um when, when they go running or first get into running is they just want to go too hard they go too fast or mm. they're they're like oh you know i used to run a you know an eight minute pace or whatever and so they go out the door and they try to do an eight minute pace and they're miserable you know um you slow down, just slow down. You know, you should like go out there and run and have a nice, easy pace. You should be able to carry on a conversation. And that's really how you get to run further. Um, you run further, you get that runner's high. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, maybe a couple of rapid fire questions. And then I just have a couple of wrap up uh, questions for you, Peter. Um, favorite shoes. What, what do you run in? What, what do you like on the trail? Uh, sorry. Say again. Uh, your favorite shoes. What uh, what shoes, shoes work uh, well for you on the trail? Ultra shoes? Awesome. Yeah, I've been using uh, ultras for, for years now. You mentioned uh, sort of packaged race nutrition. That's not, that sounds like it's not your favorite, but you did uh, mention, I think, spring. Other other uh, packaged nutrition that, that works well for you? Uh, I, I use Vespa um, mm. primarily. Um, it's a nature's catalyst. So I, I take that as part of the low carb, uh, you know, fuel source and, um, that along with spring, um, and then regular food, I, I I'll eat as much regular food as I can. Yeah. Favorite, uh, real food on a, on a race course, you mentioned quesadillas earlier, but, uh, anything favorite at an aid station that, that really speaks to you? Uh, if they have it sushi, 
<laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that many I've times at aid few, stations. Few aid stations. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a winner. Sounds like a winner. Yeah. Uh, Anti-chafe or is chafing not an issue for you? I think I think I saw an interview where you said uh, hurt 100 chafing was a challenge. But uh, anything, any recommendations there for someone getting started? Um, squirrels, not better. It's the best. Uh, Flagstaff local. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, they've been really good to me over the years. So that's that's the good stuff. For carrying stuff, a pack or a belt or nothing at all? What's kind of your, uh, how do you carry stuff around on that course? Um, Western, I think I'm just going to go bottles, um, maybe a belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if my longer mountain stuff, I, I generally use a pack. I use Ultra Spire. Um, yeah. they, they have some really good, great gear. I was going to ask you toe socks, or regular socks, but you said in Gingy earlier. So toe socks. Yep. All the way. No, no blisters. Uh, favorite uh, trail runner to watch anyone that you enjoy uh, watching them out on the course um, or following their career. Uh, Killing and Jordan. Um, he's the goat. <laughs> There's his videos and just, I mean, uh, and Francois Dehain as well. They're both, they're both up there. I mean, just, just shredders and they do the, they're, they're the guys I saw in magazines early on that I was like, yeah. that's what I want to do. It's awesome. They, 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 it feels like watching a mountain goat, actually a goat, um, in addition to being the goat, yeah. uh, bucket list race. Now you got Western States. You're going to check off here in a few days. Um, after that, I, I heard a hard rock, anything else that's on your list. You've, I think I saw UTMB you've done before. Uh, other bucket list races that you're thinking about? Um, so, yeah, uh, TDG, Tour de Jean, um, mm. eventually. Uh, I'm hopefully in Montana Spine Race next year. Um, and then uh, Barclay Marathons. Uh, hopefully okay. get another shot at that next year. Um, and uh, that's going to be kind of my, my go-to, like training every year until uh, I can start to figure that one out. Next finisher is what, 15, 16? I'm so trying to remember what number the, the, the finisher number is I, like 14 or 15. I think they're at 15 now. 15. Okay. All right. Well, Hey, the name of the podcast is trail success. What does trail success mean to you? Trail success, I guess would be, um, just getting out that door, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, even, even as a ultra runner, there, there's days it's just, you know, you don't want to get out there, you, you know, you're just feeling like crud. Sometimes you just have to get out for that first mile. Um, go out for that first mile. And if you feel good, then go for a second mile. And uh, there, there's been days where I've had to, you know, I've had to bail after a few miles because it just wasn't my day. But then other days where I'm like, I don't know if, even if I can get through this today, I've, I've like a 20 mile run that I'm supposed to do for my training. And I go out there and just get a couple miles in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be a good day. You know, it started out horrible, but now this, this is, this is clicking away. So, um, it's just getting your body moving in general, whether you're hiking, running, um, just, it'll you get outside, you get nature, you can hear, hear the birds, you hear like waterfalls or, or whatever it is. And it, it'll just, all that stress will start to flow away and uh, ease the tension. So it'll, it'll make your day better. And what inspires you the most about trail running and who do you hope to inspire by your trail running efforts? Um, man. Uh, so 
I guess like getting out, just getting outside and, uh, I, re I really don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, there's so many people that have inspired me over the years, as far as, um, like Jamil Curry and, and all these other great guys that you see, um, Nicodemus Hall and Jeff Browning, and they all do these amazing things. Um, I, I really don't consider myself like, I mean, I like to inspire people, but I, I really, you know, I don't even put myself in the same class as any of these people. I mean, I know I do a lot of the same distances. Um, I, I like to think that I inspire people to go out and do these things. I really just like going out and taking the pictures and, and kind of just, you know, for my own mindset. And if, if I could share some of these things along the way with some friends and that's great. Um, I'm going to keep doing it. And if that works for, for rolling over onto other people, then, then, then that's great too. You know, I, um, I'm hoping with the coaching thing that I can kind of push people in that direction as well. Um, just kind of open some eyes and, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, it, I have a hard time accepting it at times, you know, like what I'm doing. And sometimes I don't even realize that I've run certain races right. <laughs> or that I've done well at these races. I just, I, I try not to think about it and I just kind of move on to the next thing. And, um, and after doing so many, you just kind of lose track. But, um, I, I think anyone can do this stuff. I really believe that. And really just it again, from, a guy that was overweight, you just got to get your foot out the door and then start just making those changes in your life. You know, get a pair of shoes, just get outside. And tell us about the coaching you're doing. You've got a few athletes that you're coaching right now, and you mentioned that as something you hope to do more of in the future. Uh, what's that experience been like and, and what excites you about coaching other athletes? Yeah, so I, I started a few months ago. I've been actually coaching um, for about a year and a half, kind of under the table with with a few folks, just to see if I'd like it. And um, but yeah, I, I started my business uh, a, a few months ago, and um, so far it's been pretty positive. Um, I've seen a lot of growth already in, in these uh, athletes. Um, four of them are running the Muggyam One Hundred uh, coming up this fall, which I'll be help crewing. It's going to be kind of our first major race altogether. Um, I'm really excited to see what it brings and I hope, you know, I hope through word of mouth that, you know, and hopefully doing things like this, people will kind of look me up and, and see, I'm, I'm, you know, if, if you're tailored, if you want, if you want me to tailor a plan for, for some of these tougher races, I'm definitely your guy. <laughs> I've done them. Uh, I know how to handle them. Um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be a great coach for a triathlon, for example, but, um, you know, marathon, ultra marathons, um, I can definitely, uh, get you sorted. And, um, I, I really, I'm hoping down the road, um, to be able to travel around and visit different athletes all over the States and kind of run their trails with them over time and, and really a sh a share in those experiences. Um, I'm kind of doing that locally here now with some of my athletes trying to arrange some trail days. And I, for me, it's just, I, I love it. I can just, I, I love any excuse to go out with some friends and just enjoy a trail and, or, and show them a place that maybe they've never run before. Um, and if I can show them that they're capable of doing these big races too and doing well, then that's, that's even better. That's amazing. Super excited for, uh, for that coaching effort and know that you are inspiring folks. 
Um, I've been uh, inspired by you, following you online for a number of years, and I think we first crossed paths. I wanted to share this shot. Uh, I was out running the rim to rim to rim in uh, November of 2018. I just come off of my first hundred miler and I was out in Arizona for Thanksgiving. And I thought, you know what? The Grand Canyon is just a couple hours away. I can't miss this opportunity. I think it was also the year that North Face 50 uh, got canceled because of fires because there were a number of FKTs. I think uh, a female FKT runner blasted past me um, about halfway across the the, the, the canyon. Uh, but as on North yeah. Kaibab, I, I crossed paths with a gentleman on his way down, and that was you. And uh, I think we exchanged uh, uh, photos so we could get a shot of ourselves there on North Kaibab. So this is a photograph courtesy of Peter Mortimer. So thank you for uh, thank you for that and had a chance to start following you on Strava after that encounter. But uh, thanks for taking the photo, and uh, thanks for inspiring me and inspiring a lot of other folks with your efforts out on the trails. I know you're doing that for yourself and others around you, but you are, uh, you know, having that ripple effect of inspiring others to get out and do amazing things. Where can folks uh, follow you online, Peter, uh, either you're coaching, you're running and, um, uh, what's the best way to follow you online? So, uh, yeah. Um, PJ Mortimer on Instagram, Peter Mortimer, uh, sorry, Peter Mortimer on, uh, Strava, Facebook, and, um, my, uh, coaching website, um, is uh, eightmoremilescoaching.com. Can you tell us about eight more miles? I see it on your hat. I see it in other places. What's the uh, what's the what's the history there? Yeah, it's uh, so it started out um, as a uh, quote unquote running joke amongst some friends. The okay. uh, every year I take a bunch of folks on Thanksgiving weekend um, across South Mountain in Phoenix uh, along the National Trail, which is about this fifteen mile trail, and. Um, I normally park cars at the end, so we have a shuttle back. And uh, one year, um, they were doing construction, and so I couldn't park at the usual area. And so I had to park a couple miles down the road. Um, and I'm like, oh, man, the trail's going to be even longer this year. Um, I didn't tell anybody. And so <laughs> we, were along, we were going along the route, and we were normally at the spot. It was about halfway. And um they asked me like how far is it and i'm like eight more miles i'm like okay <laughs> a few more miles go by and they're like how much further i'm like eight more miles and they're like wait a minute and uh then i had to break the news that you know like uh it's gonna be a little bit further today and it was really hot and <laughs> there may be a few middle fingers in my direction but that's normally the case <laughs> and uh everyone got through it and we all laughed about it and um so we made hats out of it kind of as a joke and uh it be kind of became my slogan over the years and um i I actually uh, trademarked it and uh, <laughs> just awesome. turned it into my coach coaching business. But, um, but you know, I've done that 10 years now that, that run with them. And I think back to, you know, the first time that I did it and it was, that's kind of my motivation, um, sharing these experiences with friends, showing them that they can do things that, that they wouldn't normally do. And, and uh, just, just having some fun while doing it. Awesome. Well, Peter, I can't say thank you enough um, for myself. Um, impressed, inspired, um, and really appreciative of you being willing to share your journey with me and the listeners of the Trail Success Podcast um, as we uh, you know, hope to give other trail athletes an opportunity to learn from everyday folks like them who are trail athletes uh, trying to balance life um, and sport to be inspired 
and inspire inspire others with their trail successes. So thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Invite everyone to uh, follow Peter online. Uh, but thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Super inspired, uh, super impressed. Thanks for joining us and best of luck at Western States 100 and beyond. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Peter. Take care. Thanks. Bye. 